The scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Good morning. This morning we're continuing in our seven-week series looking at different dimensions of God. And as I mentioned last Sunday, each of us at any given moment of the day might identify ourselves as a mom or a dad, a student or a teacher, a brother or a sister, a child of God or a prodigal. We are complex people with many facets to our personality and to our being. Likewise, Scripture teaches us that God is complex as well. Scripture teaches us that there are many different dimensions to God. He is an artist, a gardener, a judge, a restorer. And as we discussed last week, he is the Father. And this morning, as we look at our passage, we are going to look at God as the host. Now, the Gospels tell us that Jesus didn't even own a home. So you're wondering, how can he be a host? But if you look through the Gospels, every home that Jesus went into, he ultimately was the host. And he was the one who gathered people around the table. So this morning, as we look at this passage, I want to consider two aspects of God as our host. First, Jesus's love is wide and his reach is broad. And then secondly, Jesus's presence transforms both the space and the people wherever he goes. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Luke 19 or you can look in your uh, bulletins. And the first thing that we want to consider as we look at God as our host is that Jesus's love is wide. And his reach is broad. When I was at UNC, I lived in the dorm. Uh, Tim and I did for four years. And back then we had a kitchen, but you would dare not even go in there, more or less cook in there because it was so nasty and dirty. So every evening we would go out to dinner. It's kind of a little perk of college. We'd either go to the calf or we'd go down to Franklin Street. And normally our routine was around 5.30 or 6, we'd all come back to the dorm 
And we would ask our friends on the hall if they would go with us. And some would say yes, some would say no. And then we would kind of head down to Franklin Street to eat at the Rat, which was a great restaurant that's no longer there. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about all those years, I can't remember one time where we invited someone to go with us that we didn't know. Now, I tell you this because most of us would think, well, it would be kind of weird if I was, we were walking down the path going to Franklin Street and there was a stranger walking up and we said, hey, come eat with us. That would be a little bit awkward, of course. But what we see in this passage is that we have a Savior We have a God who invites strangers, sinners, the disenfranchised to come and eat with him. If you look in Luke verses 1 through 10, Jesus is on the move again. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but as he goes, he and his disciples, they decide to stop in Jericho. Now, Jericho was a beautiful city and it was Streets were lined with these beautiful sycamore trees. It was a city known for its commerce and its trade. And it was also a city that was known for this healing balm that you could only find there. And so you'd have folks from Syria and Egypt that would go to Jericho just to purchase this balm. Well, the Romans they had a, a wonderful tax system, and that's how they kind of made and generated income and revenue for their government. And they had tax collectors that would line the streets. And what they would do is you would pass by their booths. If you had a bag of balm or anything, they would stop you and ask you to pay a tax. But most of these tax collectors, not only would they ask you to pay the tax that the Roman government asked you to pay for, they would increase that amount a little bit so they could line their own pockets. So as you can imagine, tax collectors were not very popular in Jericho. And they certainly weren't very popular among the Jews. And what we learn in verse 2 is that Zacchaeus, he's not only a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. Now, I believe Luke wants us to understand this little detail because if he was a chief tax collector, that meant that he was ruthless. And he kind of rose up the ladder among all the tax collectors as one of the best at extorting people for money and bringing in money for Rome. And because of that, They put him in charge of other tax collectors so that he could influence them so that they too could cheat people out of their money. And chief tax collectors not only gained what they collected, they would pocket what each of the tax collectors also gained. So they were very, very wealthy. And they were very, very despised. They were probably one of the most hated people in Jericho. Tim Keller said Zacchaeus would have been seen as a traitor to his fellow Jews since he worked for and profited from the Roman system. And we see in this text how much the people hated him because when he heard that Jesus was in town, Zacchaeus was curious and so he went and he wanted to see Jesus. But what does Luke tell us 
he tells us that the crowds refused to let Zacchaeus by. They literally were trying to block his way. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. And they certainly didn't want to let him have a glimpse of Jesus. But what does Zacchaeus do? He was persistent. He was not used to being denied. And so he pushed through the crowd. And then he climbed up in the sycamore tree. Just so he could get a glimpse of Jesus and his disciples as they passed by. And then as we continue reading the story, we see the unthinkable and the unimaginable thing. In verse 5, Luke writes, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. I mean, Jesus is literally walking along the street with his disciples. There's crowds everywhere. There were probably other people up in the sycamore trees. But he stops at this one particular tree and looks up. And how does he know who Zacchaeus is? Because Jesus is fully God and fully human. And so he not only knew Zacchaeus' name, he knew everything about Zacchaeus. He knew what a despicable character this this guy was and that he was hated by many. And yet Jesus, full of love and grace, calls him to come down from the tree and invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And then, what do the onlookers say They ask a question, how could Jesus have gone to be a guest of a man who was a sinner? How could Jesus have gone to be with a man who was a guest of a sinner? And the simple answer to their question is that Jesus, our Heavenly Father, is the great host. He is the one who did not have a home of his own but who had a wonderful practice of gathering sinners, gathering the outcasts, gathering the religious and the irreligious, gathering the lonely and the hated around him over a meal. He says it himself in verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You see, as the great host on this occasion, as in so many other occasions throughout the gospel, we see Jesus gathering all types of people around a table. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what you believed or what you had done. Jesus says there is a place for all of us, all of us at his table. And as I was thinking about this invitation, Jesus, as our host, asking us to come to a table, I couldn't help but think about a story that this pastor shared in this wonderful documentary called The Heart of Man. And this pastor was saying that he had just gone and he had spoken to another church and he had spoken about sex and pornography and just the harms of it. And then he said he went home 
and spent the next four hours binging on pornography. And then he would go and travel to another church and he would preach on the dangers of sin and sexuality and pornography. And then what did he do? He said he would go home and binge for hours and hours and hours on pornography. And he said he got to the point one weekend that he realized 48 hours had gone by. He had not even left the house because all he was looking at was porn. And he fell on his face. And he said at that moment, he cried out to God. And an image came to him, he believes, from the Holy Spirit. And that image was he was in a prison. And in the prison, there was a dining room with all these tables. And he was dressed in prison garb. And there were men sitting at all the tables. And he went and sat to eat lunch at one of these tables. But no one would join him. And then he looked over and he saw Jesus dressed in prison garb coming over to his table. And he sat down with him and he looked at him, not with eyes of condemnation, but with eyes of love and grace and mercy. And he said to him, you're free to leave anytime you want. And at that point, he said, tears just streamed down his face. And he realized for the first time in his entire relationship with God, that no sin was too great. That Jesus, the great host, wanted to come and dine with him. A hypocrite. A sinner. And something shifted in his heart in that moment. And it wasn't an easy journey back, a quick journey back. But today he's sober. And he's going into churches not just preaching about the the dangers of pornography, but telling his own story of how Jesus, the great host, invited him to dine with him and reminded him that he is forgiven and that his chains have fallen off and that he is set free. You see, we have a Savior who will not only look up at Zacchaeus and invite him to come down so that he might go and dine with him, we have a Savior who looks at each of us, no matter what your story is or where you are today, and says, come, come eat with me. So I wonder this morning, do you know and believe that you were always invited to sit at the table with Jesus? Do you and I know this morning that God wants us to dine with him, to feast with him? And I also wonder this morning, for those of us who know that truth, are we going out in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in our neighborhoods, and are we looking up in trees, looking around in the classroom, looking around in our workplace for the Zacchaeuses who are just like us? And are we inviting them to come home with us, to dine with us, to eat with us? 
As we look at this passage this morning, we see that Jesus is the host. And he is the host whose love is wide and reach is broad. And secondly, and lastly, we see that Jesus is the host whose presence transforms both the space and the people in the environment in which we dine. As some of you, some of you know, three weeks ago, my sweet little Ebby, my dog, passed away. And I had Ebby when she was six weeks old, and I had her for 11 years. And so for those 11 years, she was with me every move, every place I went in the house. She was there. And some of you have asked how have I coped. That first week, I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I wept and I wept. And then the second week, the, the tears didn't flow. But when I'd walk into the house, there was an emptiness. She wasn't there. And truth be told, every time I'd leave the house, if Caleb wasn't there, I would say what I said for 11 years to her. Ebby, bye-bye, girl. I'll be back. And sometimes, even as recently as yesterday, I walk into the house and I say, Ebby, I miss you. I wish you were here. Her presence made a difference in my home. And her presence made a difference in my life. And she is a dog. How much greater is Jesus' presence in your home and Jesus' presence in your life? In this passage, Luke is telling us that Jesus, when he enters a home... He transforms that space and he transforms those people. If you look at verses 1 through 7, it takes place on the streets of Jericho. But verses 8 through 10 take place where? In, in Zacchaeus' home. Jesus and the disciples, they've gone home to eat with Zacchaeus. And as was the custom, after entering the house, they would have taken off their shoes. A servant would have washed their feet and they would have all reclined at the table. And as I mentioned before, while Zacchaeus was technically the host of the dinner, Jesus, God incarnate, was the one who gathered them there. And Jesus, God incarnate, is always, always the host in our homes when we're gathered around a table. And Luke doesn't tell us what Jesus said. We can speculate that, that he might have shared the good news of the creation, fall, redemption, and restoration with Zacchaeus. He might have told Zacchaeus about the Heavenly Father's love for him and forgiveness if he confessed his sin as they ate together. We don't know for sure what Jesus said, but what we do know is that Jesus' very presence in that place not only transforms the space, his presence has the power to transform the guests that are seated around the table. And we see this in verses 8 through 9. Zacchaeus, the ruthless chief tax collector, has the incredible encounter with Jesus, the great host of the dinner, and his life is transformed. 
Luke writes, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. My intervarsity leader always told me, if you want to know where your heart really is and what you value, then look at your check registry. I know that's a term that we old folks use. For you guys, go look online and look at your account statement. Because what you spend your money on is where your heart is. Jesus says it in Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You see, Zacchaeus spent his lifetime accumulating wealth by extorting others. And it's safe to assume that based on how the crowds treated him, he was not one to offer much, if any of his wealth, to others. Unless it was a dinner party or a social gathering that made him look good. But what we see in this passage is that an encounter with Jesus, the great host, completely transformed his heart. Luke tells us that Zacchaeus freely and gladly and willingly gave half of his possessions to the poor. And if that wasn't enough, he went beyond the requirements set out in Exodus 22, which require paying two times the amount back to those you have wronged. Zacchaeus says that he is going to give back four times the amount of money that he had stolen from people over all these years. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Zacchaeus' treasure was his large stockpile of money. And unlike the rich young ruler, Jesus had entered his home and transformed that space and transformed Zacchaeus' life forever. He was a different man. And as I think of this encounter that Zacchaeus had over a meal with Jesus, the host, I can't help but think of countless other encounters. I think of Jesus' family being transformed and Jesus' public first miracle when he's at the wedding feast and they run out of wine. And why do they turn to Jesus? Because they know that Jesus is the great host and they ask him to perform a miracle. And provide wine, which he does. I think of Mary so transfixed by Jesus' love that she breaks an expensive alabaster jar of perfume on Jesus' feet as he reclined at the table to anoint him. I think of the twelve gathered around the table on the night in which he was betrayed and he broke bread and he took the cup and he fed those around him. I think of Peter. After he had betrayed Jesus and Jesus was raised from the dead, Peter jumps out of the boat as he saw Jesus grilling fish on the seashore. And Peter approached him. And Jesus, taking away Peter's shame, forgave him for his denial and restored him into relationship. And then I think of Revelation 
the beautiful picture that John gives us when Jesus comes again to consummate his kingdom. And what does he do? He throws a party, a huge feast, and he calls all those who profess faith in him to come. And we all gather around this huge table. And we feast and we laugh and there's no more sin. There's no more dying. There's no more loneliness. There's no more pain. You see, Jesus is the great host. And wherever he is and whatever space he is in, he transforms it. But not only does he transform that space, he promises to transform us. So I wonder this morning, how has Jesus Christ, the great host, transformed your home? How has he transformed your dorm room? How has he transformed the cafeteria at your school? How has he transformed the break room where you sit down with your coworkers and share a meal? Jesus is there because you are there. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he promises to transform that space. He promises to transform you. And he promises to transform everyone who is at the table. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, before I knew Jesus, I would go over to the Knox's house and one of my favorite things to do was to sit and eat dinner with them. Because unlike my family who did not eat dinner together at all, they would gather together and we would feast. And we wouldn't just run off then Jerry would begin to ask questions about our day and to inquire. And the conversation didn't always turn to Christ, but he would sprinkle words of truth in the gospel. And that place was safe. And I saw something different there. And I believe God used that space. He used young life. He used my experience at Trinity Church. The Holy Spirit used my relationships with others to transform me from a guy who absolutely did not believe in God when I was 16 years old and could care less about Jesus Christ to a guy who fell on his knees, who knew he was a sinner, who begged for forgiveness, and who was welcomed into the family and into the feast. My hope and my prayer is that we would see that Jesus Christ is the host and that He and His reach is broad and wide and He longs to gather the lonely, the disenfranchised, the sinners, the religious, the irreligious, the poor, the rich, to Himself. And my hope is that our homes will become places of refuge where we can have a meal together and we can invite our neighbors. Busyness is easy to creep into all of our lives. And we're, especially those of you with young kids, you're just trying to get them fed. I get it. But I encourage you, set an extra place at the table. Because not only is Jesus sitting there, maybe just maybe there's a neighbor who's lonely, 
who would love to just come and eat with you. And we can believe the promise if we do that. God is there and God will work and God will transform your hearts and their hearts. Amen.